Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And on today's Tour Finals group stage catch-up, Rafael Nadal makes it through to the semi-finals for the first time since 2015. Novak Djokovic joins him by sending home Sasha Zverev. And Jamie Murray announces he'll be swapping Skupski for Suarez next season. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Kim, we are back for another group stage catch up at the ATP Tour Finals. But before we get into all of that, a big, big shout out to us because it is actually our 150th episode. I think that deserves a, a mini, a mini applause. I think. I think we need some canned applause, Joel, uh, like they've got at the at the tennis. You know. Yeah, I need my sound director <laughs> to hit that, hit the button to give us an applause. Yeah, 150 episodes. Very. Um, yeah, we've, we we're, we're churning through them, aren't we? We've been racking them up, yeah. And um, well done to our listeners who have been with us from day one and supported us. Um, no, massive thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like I should have got like a little tipple out to celebrate, Joel, but I've I've got a decaffeinated tea instead, which is I've got a hot chocolate as well. Oh, okay, lovely. Yeah, hot drinks. Hot drinks are the are the order of <laughs> order of the day. Um, yeah, I was slowly having it this evening um, whilst watching a bit of Medvedev versus Schwartzman. Um, we're going to be recapping all of kind of the the latest action from the tour finals in the group stage. We do know our semi finalists. We have got Rafael Nadal. We've got Novak Djokovic, Dominic Team, and Daniel Medvedev. We're going to be discussing how we got there. And we're going to start with Group Tokyo 1970 and talk about um, the Djokovic group um, matches today. You know, we had Djokovic Zverev in the afternoon, and then Medvedev Schwartzman just now. I mean, just before we get into both of these matches, I kind of find it. You know, this group I feel is a little bit actually at a disadvantage because they're playing today, and then they've got a very quick turnaround to you know to play again tomorrow. And you know, for Medvedev you know, with this match, which we'll come on to being a dead rubber is it makes it a little bit difficult in terms of how you, you know, how you approach and how you go into that match. Yeah. Cause I was thinking, you know, how much energy does he want to be expending for a dead rubber? It doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'm sure he, he would love to win the tournament without having lost a match, you know, more points, more prize money, but at the end of the day, if you've got a semi-final against Rafa Nadal lined up for the next evening, you probably want to prioritise that um, and not expend too much mental and physical energy on on the dead rubber, which, you know, Medvedev didn't. He seemed to, to come through pretty comfortably. Um, but it's an awkward balance, isn't it, John? We will get on to a bit later, but I think, yeah, this group has is a bit more hard done by, I guess, on the scheduling. They've got to play three days in a row, 
but you know if you want to win a standard masters event you know you've got to you've got to play three days on the trot or five days on the trot so they will be used to that um that side of things and Medvedev has played nothing but evening sessions so he uh is his king of the night at the O2 is Daniel Medvedev this week uh still unbeaten uh let's let's begin with the Djokovic match though this afternoon because that was very much a live rubber and um I mean going into it, obviously Djokovic had sort of been a bit overwhelmed by Medvedev on on the Wednesday which maybe caught some of us by surprise yeah, he was a bit flat, wasn't he? In that, yeah. I mean, Medvedev played extremely well. Um, yeah, that that almost caught me by surprise as much as um, you know how flat Djokovic was. And yeah, it really was kind of you know it was a shootout really between Djokovic and Zverev for that for that second spot. Yeah, I mean Djokovic, you know, against against Medvedev, you know, I mean Medvedev was very 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 good um you know, just kind of broke down Djokovic really which doesn't happen very often but you know Djokovic his level is still there you know he hasn't suddenly gone completely off the boil you know he was a straight sets winner today over Sasha Zverev 6-3 7-6 and um you know Zverev didn't didn't play a, a bad match like the second set you know Zverev actually you know he hit 30 odd winners in that second set and and still lost um he really upped his game from the first set and you know it, it was much closer and you know it was a tie break in the end and I was I would have been intrigued if it had gone to three sets I have to say you know as a, as a neutral fan um but I, I did think Djokovic, you know, was going to win uh, from from the word go, and, and alas, he did. And actually, Joel, I just want to, you know, have a little um, go me moment because I did predict these four semi finalists that we have. Uh, so I've got a full sweep, <laughs> a full sweep <laughs> of them. Uh, yeah, but there we go. Yeah, we're less, less said about my predictions the better because I'm pretty <laughs> sure I said Nadal was going out and Rublev was going through, which uh, yeah definitely didn't happen. But um, yeah, I mean it was a, yeah it was a very funny very funny match I think between Djokovic and Zverev because if you look at the statistics, yeah Zverev hit a lot more winners, particularly in that second set, and yet Djokovic came out the victor. Are you still you still sense that you know with the fact that Djokovic has got Dominic Team in in the next round, you do sense that. I still think the level he showed against Zverev and again, the level he showed against Medvedev, I don't think he can, he can't play. He just can't play at that level in the semi-final and expect to go through. And, you know, if, if he's kind of banking on, you know, Dominic team hitting unforced errors um, and that's going to help, you know, Djokovic win the match. I don't, I just don't, I just don't envisage that mm. happening. I think he's going to have to do more, you know, do more than what he did against, that he did against Zverev today. So, you know, I think the I think there's still there's still gears that Djokovic will need to go through in terms if you know if he wants to go on and 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 win the tournament. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Zverev was giving him a lot more, you know, free points today than than we saw with with Medvedev, and and like you said, Dominic Team is is not likely to to give away as many free points. And yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get onto maybe a bit of a preview and predictions later, but I mean. I, I said, didn't I, on our last catch-up that that was likely to be the final, but now it's... Um, I really don't know what to think because, you know, Medvedev has been so impressive, actually. And I mean, we were talking in our preview, weren't we, about who is going to go through with, with Djokovic. Is it going to be Medvedev or Zverev? <laughs> but actually, I feel like the conversation should have been, who's going to go through with Medvedev? Is it is it Djokovic or Zverev? Because Medvedev arguably has probably played the best tennis 
the best tennis of all um, eight competitors this week. Mm. Um, and, you know, the match this evening um, against Schwartzman really, really did show that. Bar one absolutely terrible smash that was <laughs> it gave us all hope. It gave me hope, should give all club players hope. Barring that one smash, he played some absolutely fantastic uh, tennis that... You know, really, I think, you know, I think there really is a difference at the moment. There really is a, a gap between the, the tennis he's playing at and the tennis, I think that like, a, you know, Novak, Novak Djokovic is playing at the moment. And some of the, some of the winners he was hitting from some of the court positions, uh, were really, oh, just, were just obscene. You know, the face kind of, you know, the TV kind of zooming in on Schwartzman, almost kind of like, what do I have to do to, to beat this guy? But, um, Medvedev is, as, proven a real revelation this week and it's a completely different Medvedev isn't it from the you know the one that turned up at the the tour finals last year you know one where you know I felt you know last year you know he was he was almost kind of going into it completely knackered given all the exertions he had you know done over the the season literally playing like week after week tournament after tournament and going I think 0-3 you know in his group stage but this this time round, it's a completely different story. Yeah, he's um, he's peaked at the right time, hasn't he? Winning the Paris Masters, coming into this like he's fresh, he's on it, and uh, you know, good for him. He's turned it around. Like this this time last year, he he was the Diego Schwartzman. You know, he was the one losing all three of his matches and going home empty-handed so um yeah I mean with regards to Schwartzman I guess we were kind of expecting that and um I think he made a you know a reasonably good account of himself if he's in this uh position you know this time next year I'm sure he'll be hoping to to do better than he has this time around but I'm you know it's a massive achievement for him to to have you know got to this position so he shouldn't be ashamed of himself at all um interestingly Novak was asked about these Verev allegations in his press conference after the match um you know after he just played him and I guess very sort of standard response um not wanting to kind of take any sides um but suggesting perhaps the ATP should have a policy that they have in some of the kind of North American sports like the the NBA with regards to domestic violence. So, you know, I mean, Novak is 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 potentially going to be back on the ATP Player Council. Maybe that is something that will be cropping up in the future um, with regards to developing some kind of policy. I personally wouldn't um, put my hopes on that happening, but... Um, you know, these sorts of questions do need to be asked. Um, and, you know, we also had this week in the news that, yeah, Djokovic and also Pospisil um, are reapplying for the positions that they were previously asked to resign from back in August. So um, if anyone else is a bit confused, then do let us know because I'm I'm a bit um, like it seems to be going backwards and forwards. They're either on the council, then they're not, and now they're going to go back on. <laughs> yeah, because it sounds like um, it, it sounds like at the start of this week that was gen- a genuine um, that was a genuine thing that Djokovic and Pospil wanted to do was to be back on the player council with I think elections, um, you know, coming up at the you know the start of of, of next year. But it, it seems since that there's been a vote by the ATP board um, to say that actually any active player in uh, another council uh, or organisation like the PTPA can't be um, on the ATP player council. So it seems there's a bit of confusion here in terms of 
you know what is and what isn't allowed and um you know from what it from what it sounds like the atp have come in and said actually we see uh, to be honest it sounds like the atp have, have kind of basically said look the ptpa is you know arguably a threat to us it's com- competition to us we're therefore not letting you going to be you know part of the part of our conversation now from what I from what I've been reading, it sounds like you know Djokovic and Pospisil see it differently. You know they see it as very much as a um, they can the you know these two things can coexist, and you know they just want the PTPA to be a kind of a vessel for a stronger player voice, um, and that can exist. I think you know originally they kind of felt that strategically they could see that existing inside the ATP bubble, but. It sounds like the ATP have just kind of come in and said, "Nope, that can't happen. You're going to have to think about a diff, you know, another way in terms of surviving." Um, so it, it it sounds like at the moment, yeah, the ATP are kind of a bit have been defensive and by being defensive by going on the attack and and being like, "Well, if you want to be in the PTPA, that's fine, but um, you're going to have to figure out a way to exist on your own." Yeah, so it's like one minute it's on, the next it's off, uh, might be back on again and then it'll be off again. But yeah, I guess in a way it's sort of like they're trying to have their cake uh, and eat it, if that's the right expression to use. But I I guess it's almost like there would be a bit of a, although they're trying to, you know, fight for better player representation and they'll be trying to do that through both channels. It's almost like, yeah, it's a conflict of interest if you're representing both bodies because one is essentially a breakaway from the other and I know they didn't form that in their aim wasn't to be like in opposition to that. They want to coexist. But yeah, I also feel like they should probably give some other players a chance to be on the council, you know, because they did, um, you know, go off and, and uh, yeah, it's I mean, Bruno Suarez um, was kind of talking about this, wasn't he? And, uh, you know, he, he was got kicked out of the WhatsApp group. Yeah, I know. Poor, poor Bruno. <laughs> poor Bruno. No one wants First... to be kicked out of a WhatsApp group. I know. <laughs> do you think Djokovic, Djokovic and uh, Pospisil, do you think they're the administrators on yeah, the group? Yeah, totally so they have the, the, the group. They have the, they have the power to, to do the, um, yeah, to, to, to kick someone out. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it definitely is interesting. And, you know, particularly, I think, with player elections coming, kind of coming up, Again, the, the PTPA feels like an, an alternative that will exist as a sort of, um, you know, a comparison to. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was interesting, yeah, as you said, to hear kind of Bruno Suarez say, you know, I don't really know what's going on with the PTPA. I was kicked out from their chat, I guess, because I stayed in the player council. So I don't know their ideas. I don't know what they are doing. Um, I mean, <laughs> it sounds like you got kicked out because he was in the player council and then they've tried to become part of the player council again. So it, it was all, it, I'm sure it all will all get sort of, um, I'm sure it will all get uh, demystified at some point, but it seems to be a lot of um, conflicting kind of stories going on um, at the moment. And um, yeah, maybe it's something for the off season to kind of, uh, to kind of figure out just, just Kim, just going back to, to Medvedev, um, you know, <laughs> We've talked about he's had a fantastic kind of end to the season. And, you know, now he's in the you know, semi-finals. He's, you know, probably played the best tennis this week. Are you surprised we've we've seen that? Have you, do you feel like this has come out of nowhere or 
you know, for me, this is really kind of, I thought this was kind of, I think this is kind of surprising in the sense that it's just, ran, for me, it's just kind of almost randomly happened towards the end of the season. We weren't, I don't think we were really expecting it. Well, if, if Paris hadn't have happened, I would have been surprised because Medvedev's form prior to Paris really was not good. But I think, you know, he's one of those players that just kind of plays his way in and a bit like Joe Conta, like once he's on a roll, the results keep coming as we saw last year, you know, mm, that, that epic yep. streak he had. So I guess he might be a bit annoyed the season's ending because if you were to play the Australian Open in two weeks time, he might be right, right up there. But yeah, I mean, we know he's got such calibre, you know, everyone, you know, I mean, he is, you know, he should be up there. He's had a bit of a bad, bad season, I would say, you know, I'm sure he'd be mostly disappointed, but if he can end it with perhaps two titles, then um, that would be certainly a fantastic way to kind of end this very strange year. But no, I mean, I'm I'm not as surprised as you, Joel. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> He was talking about the fact that, um, in, you know, on commentary, they were talking about the fact that, you know, last season he, he was kind of saying his, his training block in the off season was only, it was limited to three weeks. And in one of those weeks, uh, he played a, an, an exhibition. And as a result of that, even though he played quite well in the ATP Cup, it didn't really help him, I guess, start the way he wanted to. And that perhaps was, you know, probably, you know, is a big kind of learning curve for him in terms of what he needs, um, in terms to be, you know, to be ready. And maybe he went into the season not as ready as he thought he was. And maybe this season, the fact that he's going to have, it's going to have a break because we've got, you know, we're not going to have Davis Cup finals in Madrid, for example. We're going to have, you know, at least what, six weeks. It might not even be more given all the uncertainty still kind of in Australia at the moment. It sounds like he will be in a lot better position going into next season to, you know, to go about his business in a way that wasn't like it, you know, it was 12 months ago. Yeah. And and maybe he's, you know, handling the, the O2 bubble better than other players, you know, but um, let's take a quick break now, Joel, and we'll be back in the second half of today's catch up. And we'll be looking at the other group, group London 2020, as well as all the doubles action from the O2 arena. This is The Passing Shot. You're joined by Joel and Kim. And now we're going to move on to look at Group London 2020, where yesterday we had the decisive match between Rafa Nadal and Stefanos Tsitsipas for the final place. Uh, well, I say that, yeah, not the final place. That went to Novak, but the the semi-final berth uh, to to finish second in Group London 2020 behind Dominic Team. Um, Rafa won this one 6-2 in the third set to take that spot. What did you make of, of this match, Joel? Because I, I personally, I think it should never have gone to three sets. Uh, <laughs> Rafa was, I think, the, the better player yeah. for most mm. of the match. Um, and he really was, you know, threw in a bit of a poor game at the end of that second set to, to grant Sitsipas the um, the set. And then he sort of made sure that, you know, f- normal service was was resumed at the start of the third yeah, it was. It, he he definitely had a bit of a wobble at the end of that. Uh, at the end of that second set, and um, it, it definitely felt felt a little bit smash and grab that second set in terms of Sissipas. But I think what was I think what was disappointing from kind of Sissipas's point of view was that 
even though he won that third set going into sorry that second set going into the third set i don't feel like he knew what to do he was like all right i'm here and it, it just cut the, the set i felt just kind of passed him by we had that weird sort of phase at the start when we had kind of three breaks of serve kind of consecutively but i never felt like you know nadal was ever going to in in danger even though it went to you know a final set decider yeah exactly and rafa has apparently won the last 70 of his matches where he's won the first set so you know uh statistics were also against Sitsipas, and, and rafa's only lost to him once in their previous meeting just actually adding to that, Sissipas's record, his best of three record actually is, um, sorry, his his record when it has gone to a third set this season is not actually that great. I think he's he's six and nine, six wins, nine losses um, is his record when um, a match has gone to three sets this season. I mean, first of all, that's quite a lot of three matches that have gone to three sets, given we've played, a, you know, an abbreviated season. Um, but also, yeah, it doesn't, it, it feels like, you know, he's competitive and can take a set. But when he does get to that third set, his record suggests that there's work to do there in terms of, you know, pull, you know pulling out the, the victory. And at the moment, I think, you know, that, that Nadal match really kind of encapsulated the fact that he might get into these positions, but at the moment it still feels like he doesn't he doesn't know what to do once he's in the position yeah you can't bank on him going all the way just yet I mean I say that he won this title last year (laughs) but um yeah I think he'll be disappointed that you know obviously he wasn't able to defend the title but um I think he's said also you know he's been finding it very hard like just being stuck in the hotel waiting around just for the match and and not having kind of the ability to kind of go out and about um, I mean, join the club, Stefanos, because we're not really going anywhere, any of us right now. But um, yeah, I'm just, I'm as a Rafa fan, I'm so pleased with Rafa's form. His level this week has been like generally really, really good. I mean, that match against Dominic Team, you know, was just exceptional. And uh, yeah, he's back in the semi-finals for the first time since 2015, which like is fantastic. And um, you almost sense that maybe this could be Rafa's year. I, I don't know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want to um, tempt fate. But, you know, I mean, he's got Medvedev tomorrow, which is going to be tough. But I think if Rafa can take his chances, I mean, you never know. I, th- I think he's he's got a good... Uh, def- I mean, obviously, I can't write Rafa off, but, you know, he's never lost to Medvedev. So, for God's sake. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that could be a, an epic match, potentially. Just on the topic of of Sissipas and and the crowd, because you know we we've we've already spoken about that. We feel like he's possibly the you know the worst you know of the of the you know the top eight. I feel like he is in the he is the player that is affected most by not having a crowd there. And I do wonder whether you know if if no crowd is going to be a thing, you know, a continuing thing into next season. Whether um, you know tournaments might. Um, you know, look to invest in other ways, not just have an empty space. Um, you know, for example, you know, I've seen some events, you know, I think like the NBA, for example, they have screens with fans on them um, that kind of are, are kind of um, circled around the around the, the basketball court. And, you know, I do wonder whether, you know, that might be a sort of evolution from having, you know, no crowd or no people in the stands at all, whether you could have some sort of some sort of screen there that has, you know, people on, I don't know, people on a Microsoft Zoom or 
you know, a team <laughs> I mean, screen or whatever, but but some yeah. sort of some sort of fan sort of element present, which it gives a maybe gives a virtual experience that in a in a way maybe Sisipas could get get the energy from because I sense that's the that's one of the issues he's has. He's like you know I'm looking to draw on the crowd to give me energy, but I can't feed on their energy because they're not there. You, f- you feel like maybe a, s- a screen with with fans on virtually it, that might be the best compromise for him if 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 you know tournaments were willing to kind of implement that infrastructure into their tournament. I feel like that would be quite expensive though, like all the technology. Um, and then I could just imagine someone like making some noise that it comes out of a Zoom screen in the middle of a rally. Oh, you put them all on mute. You put them all on mute yeah, during the, the uh... without the crowd noise. Well, you'd have to get everyone to simultaneously unmute themselves at the end of the point. I, I don't know. They did do a bit of that at the US Open, didn't they? They had like a screen with like but it was only played during like the change of ends or like at the end. Um but you'd have to do that all the way around the stadium. I, I, I can't see that happening. I, I feel like just the fake crowd noise is is your best option. I don't know. Maybe they could like have some fake cheerleaders in the corner. I, d- I don't know. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one, but I think you've also just got to learn to adapt and adjust, you know, like, and maybe check his privilege a bit because, you know, he's able to still travel around the world and, and do, you know, his job and what he loves doing. And yes, it is a bit frustrating that you can't leave your hotel and, have to have room service but a lot of people might be like well you're staying in a five-star hotel and being delivered food isn't that nice and you know you're able to do what you love for a living I mean I'm I'm maybe I I don't know I just feel like it was almost verging on the um well not completely unjustified moaning but I feel like you know yes it's all a bit difficult but there are Wait, ways of saying it that are a bit better <laughs> um, and appreciating everyone else's circumstances as well. But hey-ho, um, let's um, let's talk about dead rubbers, Joel, because like we mentioned earlier with the Medvedev Schwartzman tonight, we had Rublev against Dominic Team yesterday. Can I just say, yeah. with, the, <laughs> with the Medvedev Schwartzman dead rubber, it was such a dead rubber that you messaged me to record this episode <laughs> earlier. You're um, not supposed to tell in, everyone that. <laughs> <laughs> you, wanted, you wanted to record this earlier because, you, yeah, uh, you, it was just like, it just felt like, you know, <laughs> this was a match just not worthy of a fright. It was actually just like, you know, it was just going the way we were kind of expect, you know, expecting it, which it did. It did, to be fair. I used the phrase foregone conclusion, didn't I? <laughs> Which, you know, my predictive powers are on point this week because it was. Um, yeah. I mean, Rublev team, though, not so much a foregone conclusion because I I was expecting that team wouldn't put the same, you know, level of, um, you know, intensity into it. But yeah, I don't know, really. I, I would have thought he wouldn't have wanted to have lost a match. But um I mean, Rublev, to be fair, has beaten team, I think, in their last three meetings now. So it obviously is a good matchup for Andre Rublev. Um, but I do think team was really just looking long term, thinking, yeah, I need to not exert too much. Uh, and I'm sure the, the Nadal match obviously must have taken a, a bit out of him, like just the intensity of it as well from Tuesday. 
Yeah, it was a it was a funny one because yeah, it, the Dominic team versus uh, you know Medvedev in terms of their approach to this dead rubber situation was kind of completely different. Medvedev was very much of that sort of. I'm just going to play the level I've played this week and hopefully I can get off the court within, you know, as short as possible. Whereas it felt kind of team was using this match almost as like a practice match. Um, It felt a bit flat, um, lower sort of intensity, perhaps, you know, understandably given the, you know, the exertions that he, you know, he's had to put in particularly with that, that, you know, that fantastic match against Nadal. But, you know, it's just, I think, I think this is this match is almost kind of the the kind of it it just encapsulates I think the the kind of the drawbacks I think of a, a round by round sorry a, a group sorry a round robin format where I think inevitably you're going to get dead rubbers and when there is no crowd in place it I think it does exacerbate the problem but I was always thinking in terms of the scheduling you know for a dead rubber you'd probably want to put them in the afternoon session um, but now there is no live crowd. Does it really matter uh, which session they go in? Uh, and I, I don't know. I always feel like dead rubbers, they're almost it's worse if you do have a crowd there because if I'm in the crowd, I, I want the match to, to count for something, you know, and I always feel I don't want to watch someone who's maybe like not tanking the match, but where you obviously know they're not putting maybe 100% in. Whereas I feel like because there is no live crowd, it's not as important. I, you know, I, I'm the, yeah, I'm the, I'm the opposite because I feel like if the, if the crowd is there, then I feel like the players will have more, like motivation maybe to perform. Mm, um, mm-hmm. so I, uh, yeah, I think it can go either ways. It's kind of interesting because you know I think there's, you know, with you know potentially with you know the tournament moving to you know Turin next season, maybe this is if there is an opportunity to adjust or tweak the format. Then this, you know, between now and next season, this that might be the moment. And you know, a lot of kind of um, you know talk on on social media and well, how you know, how would you do that? And you know, I do think there's a, a debate on whether you give someone like Team, you know, the fact that he's the group winner. I feel like he could have the option potentially of playing this match, and if he doesn't want to play it, and you know, he's like, look, I've got to play. You know, I've got to play another match, potentially Novak Djokovic. Uh, you know, I want to be fresh for that. Therefore, I don't want to play this match. Maybe it's an opportunity to get the the alternate, uh, the alternate involved. Um, mm, yeah, because like if they're there on site, yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like may that could. I feel like that could potentially be a an alternative. Um, but I, you know, I I feel like there's a lot there's a lot of opinions at the moment on on dead rubbers and whether they are kind of enhancing or you know, they're not a good look for the for the event. Yeah, I suppose it's maybe like this year, obviously, the abbreviated nature of the season. Players are generally a lot more fresher, but it, it does become a bit more of a thing when everyone's sort of dead tired at the end of the season. You think, I don't need to play this match. Um, but yeah, like I think that's quite a, a nifty idea, perhaps, um, using the alternate or having someone who maybe comes along as like a, your own personal substitute. I don't. I don't know. Maybe that would ruin the integrity. What do you think, listeners? Like, let us know. What What's your thoughts on dead rubbers? Do you still enjoy them? I mean, obviously, you can still appreciate, you know, good tennis. But for me, it's it's lacking that. Um, I suppose it's like an exhibition match, um, but without the sort of funny trick shots and 
you know Mansour Barami esque things. <laughs> and I guess just just actually just to add to that because it was interesting to hear I think in in Rublev's press conference to kind of talk about the fact that you know for him there's still something on the line because you know these matches are match by match they are incentivized by ranking points and I think uh, Rublev was kind of saying look I get. I get more points uh, for winning one of these matches than I do if I win a whole ATP 250 event. Mm, um, and, you know, I, I guess that is going to be a motivator for uh, some of these, you know, some of these players, but it's quite clear, I think, you know, that's not necessarily a motivator for someone like a, Dom- you know, a Dominic team where, you know, they're looking at the, you know, winning the tournament, you know, a, 300 ranking points it it doesn't really do you know doesn't really do much for them when they've already kind of won two matches um yeah to be fair joel i I was being a bit narrow-minded there and and only considering it as if i was like Djokovic or something where you know ranking points well i mean ranking points do matter to him because that's the whole reason why he played vienna really was for the ranking but you know what i mean it's it's in 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 this circumstance like it's not you know an amazing yeah, if, if someone like Rublev, it would be a, a big deal. And obviously he doesn't want to come away with, it's not so much a dead rubber for him, is it? In the sense of, you know, he's got, he wants to, to get a victory here, uh, his first win at the O2. So um, yeah, it's it's an interesting one. And I'm sure it will come up again in the future um, as as these things do. But let's let's just have a look at the semifinals. You know, we've got Djokovic team in the afternoon tomorrow, Medvedev, Nadal in the evening. Um. The semi-finalists have won the last 10 Grand Slams between them. Obviously, Novak's got five of those. Rafa four and Dominic team one. Um, and they've also won the last nine Masters uh, events as well between them um, amongst Djokovic, Medvedev and Rafa. So, you know, I think the, the, the top four players that we've got in the semis are, are, you know, totally deserve to be there. And those statistics um, just show that. I would love to see Rafa in the final. I'm really tempted to say it's going to just be a, a Novak Rafa final for, you know, old time's sake. But I feel like my head says it's going to be team Medvedev. What about you, Joel? Ooh. Yeah, it's it's funny. I'm just, I mean, just first of all, I just, yeah, I'm just really happy. I think we've got the, all the, I think, you know, the, these are the top four seeds. These are the top four guys kind of going in and these are the top four in the semi-finals, I'm almost kind of glad it's gone to the the form book because they they've all they're all playing. I think very very good tennis. I actually think Djokovic is probably of those four. He's not really actually I think displayed um, a high you know the highest level of tennis. I think we obviously we, we've seen from him. So I think he's still got kind of room to kind of go up a, go up a gear or two. Um, if you were going to ask me to kind of look and give you some winners, I mean. <laughs> I, I think also, I think team will come through Novak Djokovic. I think just, I think Dominic team will be able to just kind of put that, you know, Rublev match out as a blip and find a level, um, you know, find a level, um, find a level that he, you know, he reached against, uh, you know, he reached against Nadal. I mean, interestingly, he Dominic team won um, against Djokovic the, the last time they played each other at the tour finals. But obviously, the, Djokovic won in, in five in the Australian Open final. So, you know, I, I think it's a, I think both of them will, it will feel like it's a good matchup. I, I sense at the moment just team is playing the better tennis and, and will come through that. 
Um, Nadal Medvedev is fascinating because <laughs> um, I just think Medvedev is just like he's just not afraid of anyone. Doesn't care if you're like the big three or he just doesn't care. He just does not care. He, I think he's very he doesn't get emotional. I think on a tennis court, or we haven't really seen that this week. He just plays every point, just like you know, like whatever move on to the next point and i think that's really useful when it comes to playing players that are going to put you under immense pressure like a rafael nadal um and although nadal has been playing very well this week i i i think medvedev i think medvedev's going to come through i think it could be a i think it could be a classic i think it could be one of the best matches of the season um but yeah, I could. I'm sensing Medvedev could come through, maybe in a final set tiebreak. I think it's going to be. I think that's going to be a real humdinger. I mean, I think they both have the potential, but I think that Medvedev Nadal. I mean, I'll know what I'll be doing tomorrow night, Kim. And we've also got the doubles tomorrow, Joel. Uh, semi-finals of the doubles and Joe Salisbury. Uh, is in action with Rajiv Ram. So they made it through to the semis, defeating your favourites, Kravitz and Mies, in the match tiebreak yesterday to clinch that spot. Um, so, yeah, Joe and Rajiv are on in the evening against Meltzer and Roger Vassalan. And then the afternoon semi-final, we've got Kulhoff and Mektich versus Granollers and Zabayos. Bit of an interesting one, though, Joel. Um, two of those doubles pairings were playing this evening... Uh, in a, in another dead rubber, we had Granolas and Sabios playing Meltzer and Roger Vassilan. Um, sorry, it wasn't a dead rubber because Meltzer and Roger Vassilan had to win that to get through. But Granolas and Sabios retired at six all in the first set. And I'm assuming that's because they're due on tomorrow afternoon. So the scheduling really isn't working in their favour there by putting them on in the evening and then at midday the next day. I can only imagine that's why they retired. <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds like, I mean, just kind of looking on, I think Granola's retired due to injury, te- uh, strictly speaking. But if that's the case, um, is he going to be magically okay for, for tomorrow? I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like, doesn't feel likely when they're the first match on um, at midday. I guess we'll have to, yes, so we'll have to wait and see <laughs> you know, who turns up on court if it's, Granolas and Zabayos, or uh, yeah, I'm assuming if if they can't, that then Kulhoff and Mektic get a walkover through to the final. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a, I mean, it's a bit there's a bit of a controversy there because yeah, it looks like you know if if you retire, you know, potentially thinking oh I've got a match tomorrow, um, looks a bit bad. Should, should, isn't you, it? <laughs> should you be able to play it? Um, so I wonder what I mean. I wonder what their uh, opponents thinking. Uh, yeah, Kulhoff and, and Mektic because uh, yeah, uh, Granolas. We'll see. We'll see how he pulls up tomorrow. Yeah, well, he, he might be pulling up in other ways, but um, yeah, it might, maybe it's reverse psychology. Maybe they're going into it thinking, you know, Mektic and Kulhoff will be like, yeah, this is we've got this, but it will backfire. But I mean, there is there was a slightly complicated um, scenario um, for the the three teams that that could end up finishing as doubles team number one so at the start of the week essentially I think anyone could have clinched that and then it sort of as it's gone down um it could have been Pavic Suarez Ram and Salisbury and even Granolas and Zabios if they had won this event without losing and other results had gone their way I should still have my calculator to hand is what you're saying basically the, the doubles. it's 
Tubble was number one. I remember at GCSE maths doing something called Emma's Dilemma, which seemed sounded on paper a bit like all the <laughs> ramifications that I've got in front of me for if so-and-so wins and so-and-so loses <laughs> and so-and-so wins without dropping 10 games or whatever, you know, what does this mean for so I mean, it's just, I'm not going to go there. But I think essentially Rajiv Ram and Joe Salisbury will finish the year-end number one if they win the event or if they make the final and Pavic and Suarez do not make the final, which both of which could still happen, or Pavic and Suarez do not win another match and Granola's and oh, see that's where I'm just I'm just going to end that there um, because I'm already confused. But let's hope that Joe and Rajiv finish as number one. But there we go. Looking forward to that. Um, in other news, Jamie Murray has. Um, Binned off Neil Skupski, for want of a better expression, Joel. I know you love that that phrase. Um, but anyway, Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez will be back together for 2021. Uh, they were a great pair, weren't they, before? Um, and, you know, one slams together and are going to hopefully have more success together. I feel a bit sorry for Neil Skupski. I feel like, um, where does he go from here? We did use the term bin off, um, but I do genuinely feel like this is this is a bit unceremonious, isn't it? Because the kind of the story goes, Pavic didn't, you know, Pavic said, you know, I think we should to Suarez, uh, let's look other ways. And then Suarez was immediately on the phone uh, to Jamie Murray for a, a first refusal about being his doubles partner next season. And Jamie Murray sounds like he's kind of... Um, you know, he, he he's looking, I think, to recapture former glories. You know, they've won Grand Slam titles together. And, you know, I think with Neil Skupski, it's, it's worked. They've been a good team on the tour. But I think he's kind of seeing Suarez as a, a potential, um, you know, grand, you know, I think he thinks that he's going to be able to win Grand Slams with, with Suarez. And, it's a bit, you know, disheartening for for Neil Skupski. I don't know where he goes at the moment from here. Whether you know, does he go back and, and form a, a partnership with his brother? That seems unlikely. You know, who 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 knows? But um, yeah, interesting to see that already. Even though the the tennis is still going on, that um, you know, the doubles partnerships are all, all sort of all sort of uh, kind of changing. I think Cubot and Mello also um. They they even announced their split. They were very emotional at the end of their um, last match in the in the round robin. So it all seems like there's quite a lot of change at, at the top. Um, which who knows? It might actually prove better for for Murray and Suarez, given that they've they've already played with each other. Yeah, I'm sure that hopefully they'll be able to find that that groove together again. And I think you mentioned Joel that Nikola Mektic might be going to join Maso Pavic, and so that would be an all Croatian pair. So. Perhaps they're thinking of the Olympics uh, with regards to that partnership. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a carousel sometimes with doubles partners, isn't it? They sort of go round and, uh, you know, round the houses a bit. But <laughs> Kim, and also we've got to think like uh, if, uh, let's say, I mean, this is, a, this is a stretch at the moment, but let's say if the Davis Cup goes ahead next season or, you know, the ATP Cup, um it feels like Murray and Skupski could still be playing doubles. It, it, you know, there's situations where they could still be playing doubles together um, for for GB. So it might not be the kind of 
total end of of the partnership but certainly on you know on the tour it does feel like that whether you know we might still see them at, at a davis cup uh in a davis cup um sort of format for their country um that that i think remains to be seen but certainly that could be very interesting given this this split um let's yeah we're going we just have to wait and see how it pans out well, yes, and I mean, where do you put Joel's, Joe Salisbury uh, when it comes to Davis Cup? Because he's, you know, he's the top top guy at the moment. But um, yeah, we'll be back on Sunday uh, evening slash night um, to round up all the action. I think it will be evening more so than in the middle of the night uh, because the final, I believe, starts at six, doesn't it? Um, I think the singles final, I think it's a bit earlier. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in a few days to kind of catch up on the semis and finals action, won't we, Joel? Yes, we will. So make sure you subscribe to The Passing Shot on your podcasting platform of choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. Make sure you hit that subscribe button to stay up to date on the tennis world. And if you have been enjoying our podcast and you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and comment. And you can follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Passing Shot Pod. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can do so as well. We have a Gmail account, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. So do get in touch. Uh, we love to hear all your thoughts. So yeah, let us know what you're thinking. And we will be back on Sunday evening for our finals catch up. Um, we are looking forward to it. Who knows? I, I mean, it feels like a genuine toss up in terms of who we're going to be seeing in that final, but we'll be catching up on all the semi finals and finals action across the singles and doubles events at the O2 Arena. Just a reminder, we will be doing a crowdfunding campaign for the very first time in the, in the Passing Shots career, and we will be launching that uh, next week. So make sure also you kind of look out for that in, in terms of how you can support the show going forward and for the next season. We also have a podcast, um, if you scroll a few episodes back on your podcasting platform of choice that gives you a bit more information on why we're doing a crowdfunding campaign for the 2021 season. But for now, thanks for listening to this episode of The Passing Shot and we'll see you again soon.